Hello, adventurers. Welcome to episode 14 of the Adventure Within Reason podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about Fort Snelling State Park, which is right here in the Twin Cities. I say we uh, in the royal sense today because, uh, as previously announced repeatedly on our Facebook group page, this is going to be our first solo episode. So Kelly is not going to be here today. So we'll see how it goes and we'll see if I can keep any kind of momentum going without uh, someone to, you know, bounce jokes off of and all that kind of good stuff. So today I'm, it's going to get a little personal. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to talk about some things that um, we don't normally talk about on the podcast. Uh, don't worry, nothing too crazy, nothing too outlandish. But um, rather than rather than do like a deep dive into the sort of the, the nuts and bolts of this park, I'm going to talk a bit about just my personal um, feelings of connection with nature and, and the value I find in that. And I'm going to talk about that vis-a-vis uh, -vis my recent visit to Fort Snelling. Uh, I went there yesterday on my own. Uh, Kelly is out of town for the weekend doing a college reunion thing up north. And I decided, you know, I, I, I've got the, my weekend is almost entirely open. I really need to get out there. I need to, um, you know, get out of the apartment, enjoy the weather, seek that connection with nature that, you know, Kelly and I are usually seeking together, but I'm going to do it on my own. And uh, this isn't the first time I've done a solo hike at a Minnesota state park, but it's not something I do super often. Um, I think the last time was uh, last year. I did a solo trip to Afton state park. I want to say late summer, early fall. I think it was September, actually. Around the same time, I also did um, two parks in a day by myself. I did Interstate Park and I did, oh crap, I'm going to forget the name of the other one. But suffice to say, I, I've done a few, but th they've been uh, few and far between. So yesterday, I uh, was going to get up early and, and take the bus down to Minnehaha Falls Park and, and get like a really early morning hike in before anyone else was out there. And it didn't pan out because we got a lot of uh, much needed rain yesterday. If this seems banal, I, I am going somewhere with this. The, the reason I mentioned this is that it ended up kind of working out for the better. Because what I found is that by waiting until mid-morning to kind of get up and go and, and head out of the apartment, it ended up being a little bit not better, but a little bit different of an experience because I was at the park when there were more people there. And I had to kind of remind myself, you know, I'm I'm not going to state parks to, to get away from people. You know, I think there's maybe a misconception that, that getting out into nature is about trying to, you know, escape from society or, you know, forge your own path. Anyway, I, I, I guess I, the, the reason I, I think it, it ended up work, uh, working out for the, for the better, uh, leaving a little bit later, was that um, there were other people in the park. And even though I didn't like stop and talk to anybody, it, it's just, it's always good to, to see other people enjoying state parks. Fort Snelling, as a lot of you probably know, is by most accounts, the most popular Minnesota state park. And sure, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that it's in the Twin Cities and people, you know, who live here, so, you know, can just basically get there in five minutes if you own a car or slightly longer if you, if you ride a bike or uh, use public transit like I do. That's, that's probably a big reason why people go there. But there, there is a lot at this park to merit its popularity. One of the, you know, one of the things that has going for it is that it, it um, like um, Flandreau or Fort Ridgely, it, it is, it does have like historical markers uh, back from the previous centuries of, of colonization, uh, westward expansion, all that. 
yeah, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to do a deep dive into that. I'm not going to do a deep dive into, um, you know, birds or plant life, any of, the, any of the things Kelly and I usually talk about, but suffice to say, uh, Fort Snelling is a very popular park. And, um, I, part of, part of the reason I visited the, the, the sex section of the park that I, I did was because one, I wanted to go someplace in the park that Kelly and I had not been to on our previous visit back in 2020. And I wanted to maybe go someplace that would, was um, not in a floodplain necessarily and had more uh, bird life and maybe just had a little bit more going for it in terms of just had a little bit more going for it in terms of um, what the woodland experience, what, what, what the experience would be going you know, through the woods there. The main part of Fort Snelling, uh, as, I, as I kind of alluded to a moment ago, is in a floodplain. So uh, my understanding is that you don't really get a lot of you know, old growth in that kind of uh, habitat because it's constantly being flooded and, and trees are being killed off, which is good for some reason, um, for some reasons, uh, because, um, you know, n- nothing goes to waste in nature. You know, a, a tree falls and it becomes a home for someone or a tree starts to die and it becomes a, you know, a nesting site for, for woodpeckers, et cetera, et cetera. But what I wanted to do with my solo hike was I, I wanted to come rather than um, go there in a car and come from the main, you know, parking area. I wanted to take the bus from home and I wanted to come down from Minnehaha Falls, which is uh, for those of you not from the Twin Cities or not from Minnesota. I don't know how many how many listeners we have out there, incidentally, not from Minnesota. Hello, if you're out there. And this is this next little short segment will be for your benefit. Um, there's a there's a great waterfall called Minnehaha Falls, which is kind of at the southeastern uh, corner of Minneapolis proper, you know, kind of right between Minneapolis and St. Paul near the confluence of the, of the Minnesota and Mississippi rivers, which I'll talk about a little bit more later. Gorgeous waterfall, uh, obviously a very, very popular, uh, destination for tourists and even just local folks who like to just go there and, and take it in. So what I ended up doing was I, you know, I left our apartment in Southwest Minneapolis. Uh, I took two buses, uh, very short bus rides, about 10 minute ride on one and, like two minute ride on the other, uh, the 23 to the seven, if you're familiar with the Minneapolis transit system. And I got to Minneapolis Falls Park, the site of mini, uh, did I say Minneapolis Falls? I, uh, I got to the site of Minnehaha Falls Park, which is obviously the, the site of Minnehaha Falls. And there's a trail called Minnehaha Trail that you can take from that park. You can just, you know, there's, it, it, it basically consists of a big loop, but if you, if you are so inclined as I was, you can just walk south uh, from Minnehaha Falls south toward Fort Snelling State Park, which was my my game plan from the beginning. What I found was that it was um, centered around um, people who ride bicycles. So a lot of it is um, the official trail is a, is a bike trail, but adjacent to it, sort of on the other side of um, this road that kind of bisects, or not bisects, but... but um, Runs parallel with Highway 55 in the edge of Minnehaha Park. Um, there is a, a bike trail and there's a there's like a sidewalk for walking. So what I, I ended up walking on that, you, you you head south, you end up kind of walking past the the Minneapolis Veterans Home, and then eventually you make your way to Fort Snelling. I what I found when I got there is. Um, I, I ran into what I thought was going to be a major snag, maybe even like completely derail my plans for the day, which is there was a trail ahead, the trail closed ahead sign right when I got to the beginning of Minnehaha, like the, the, the actual Minnehaha trail that leads into to Fort Snelling State Park. And I thought, 
are you kidding me? I just got here. I've been thinking about this for, you know, four or five days coming down here and doing this hike and immediately just roadblock obstruction. And so I just kind of stood there. I found a Juneberry tree. I picked a couple of Juneberries and I thought, what the hell am I going to do? And then I, what I noticed was that there were people walking and people on bicycles coming north from the direction of Fort Snelling. And I thought, well, did they just go there and then turn around when they got to the, you know, the closure or is it back open? And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to risk it. I'm just going to walk down due south on Minnehaha Trail and take my chances. And I, I, I was kind of also pondering whether or not it would be worth it to just, if there was, you know, some kind of obstruction to just, just walk around it and ignore the, the trail close sign. But then I remembered all the Mr. Ballin videos I've watched on YouTube the last, uh, the last six months or so. And I thought, okay, I don't want to end up in one of those videos. I don't want to end up, uh, you know, injured or dead out there. So I'm not going to, I'm not, if I get to a, a trail close sign and there is a legitimate reason for that, I'm going to, you know, respect the, uh, the orders of the, the, the DNR and just turn around and, and do something else with my day. But I walked down the trail for five minutes, for 10 minutes. I saw a house wren that I, I, st I stopped and observed for a few minutes. Uh, house wrens are very small birds, and uh, but they have very uh, loud songs that they sing, very uh, kind of ener energetic, frenetic um, um, songs that they sing. Anyway, so I stopped and watched this house wren for a few minutes. That was pretty nice. I continued on the trail. I started to see a lot of indigo buntings, which um, for those of you who don't know, they're small songbirds that are during the summer, during the breeding season, they develop like a bluish plumage. And I think when it's not, when it's not breeding or yeah, when it's not breeding season, I think they go back to like a, almost like a brown, uh, which I think the females have year round. Anyway, the, the male indigo buntings have a, a very, um, just a very beautiful uh, plumage this time of year. And you tend to see them in Minneapolis you know, between, you know, June and, and August in, uh, in my experience, you tend to find them around rivers. Uh, I think they mostly eat insects during this time of year. And then, uh, seeds, I think during the winter, even though they go back South, I think for whatever reason, during the winter months, they still consist more on seeds, but I don't know, maybe, maybe one of our more experienced birders out there, um, can correct me on the Facebook group. If I'm incorrect about that, I thought I remember reading somewhere that they consist, uh, during I, they consist mostly on seeds for uh, you know half the year and then mostly insects for the other half. Anyway, uh, as you can tell by now, if you're still listening, this is going to be a very um, unfocused episode because I don't have Kelly to keep me here on topic. So we're just we're we're just freewheeling here, folks. We're just uh, it's 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 not quite stream of consciousness, but you know not not too far off. So so bear with me. Um, boy, I, I hope this isn't. So, um, so terrible to listen to. I, I, I'm the world's worst storyteller and you know, my, my, my hike yesterday, um, despite seeing lots of cool birds and feeling that connection with nature and all that, this, this might seem, uh, odd to hear from someone who has a couple podcasts, but you know, I'm really not great at, uh, expressing myself a lot of the time. So I hope this comes off somewhat intelligible. Uh, anyway, I'm just going to press on. So I started to see a lot of indigo buntings and it was, um, it was great because I hadn't seen them since last year, since last summer, obviously. I eventually got to the reason for this trail being closed and what had happened was some uh, rocks had slid down the hill. So when you're walking down Minnehaha Trail, 
Uh, if you're walking south like I was, to your left is like a big patch of woods and then the river, the Mississippi River. To your to your right is a very, very steep incline leading up to, um, well, other other uh, parts of, of the earth. But it's it's very steep. It's not something you can hike. But there's woods there between, between the trail and between uh, what's on the other side of it. But anyway, some rocks had, had come down the hill and they were obstructing about half of the trail. Parks... The DNR had put, or the the state park staff had put uh, road cones around it, but it was not. It was by no means like a complete obstruction. You could walk around it very easily. Uh, I had a lot of people on bikes riding by me, you know, just whizzing by me, going really fast. And a, a couple of those guys uh, drove by as I was nearing the this obstruction where all this kind of rubble was, and they just kind of effortlessly walked, you know, rode around it. So. I realized, okay, this trail is not really closed. And if it technically is, no one's really honoring that. So I'm not going to either. And I, I really want to get to Fort Snelling State Park. So I'm just going to press on. And that's what I did. I kept walking south on the Minnehaha Trail and eventually connected with Fort Snelling. Well, I, I guess by this point, I had technically been in Fort Snelling, but it didn't really feel like it yet because uh, I hadn't really got to, you know, as you get closer to the confluence of those two rivers that I mentioned, the Minnesota and the Mississippi, you really start to feel like you're in Fort Snelling. Everything up to that point kind of felt like I was still almost kind of felt like I was still in Minnehaha Park. I don't know, it's very subjective. Maybe maybe other people have different uh, feelings on that. But I didn't for me personally, I didn't really start to feel like I had gotten to the state park until I had um, uh, gone under the big you know bridge that uh, the, the highway bridge that crosses, um, I guess that's highway 62 that, that goes over the river from the Minneapolis side and, and crosses over into St. Paul. And once I did that, it was just a hop, skip and a jump until uh, I got to Pike Island, which is, it is part of, uh, Fort Snelling state park. It is not, I, I would, I would, uh, venture to guess it is not generally considered like the main part of, of Fort Snelling where the, where the actual, um, fort, was and is still uh, like a historic monument. Um, it's not it's not near the main chunk of, of the park that I think most of the visitors go visit. It's um, it's just north of there, and obviously it's an island. So I'd be curious to know. I probably should have done more research to actually be able to talk about this. I'd be curious to know whether the elevation of Pike Island is is higher than the rest of the park because it doesn't seem like a, 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 an area of land that gets flooded very often. And I could be putting my foot in my mouth and I could be totally wrong about this, but it does seem like, you know, the trees there have been there for a while. Anyway, so I walked, I walked through, saw a few other people and sort of by accident, I ended up on um, the winter walking trail. Uh, what you'll find with, with a lot of state parks is that there are trails that are sort of um, the summer trails and the winter trails and the winter trails. I think um, the reason what makes the winter trails is that in the winter, they are cross-country ski trails, which means they're relatively groomed. There's not a lot of, um, you know, the parks department makes sure there's not a lot of like rivets or not rivets. What's what I'm looking for? Um, not a lot of um, like divots and things like that that you could kind of get stuck in. So um, it tends to be kind of a very wide, very flat section that you can just go down. Anyway, um, so I ended up on the winter trail for a bit of time, saw a wild turkey, saw a goldfinch, um, saw some more indigo buntings. And... Eventually, I made my way to this trail that kind of bisected the winter trail with the, with the main summer trail, and I got back on the trail that I kind of wanted to be on. Started to head farther east because I wanted to get to the eastern part of Pike Island because that's where the confluence of the rivers is. Um, continued to hike. Eventually, made my way over there. 
Um, saw some blue herons, saw a lot more indigo buntings, but I'm not like, as, as I said before, I'm not, this episode's going to be a little bit different. Hopefully it, it, it's not completely unlistenable, but I'm not going to talk about, I'm not, I'm not going to give you bird factoids. I'm not going to give you uh, factoids about, you know, the, the native plants I saw because, well, for one, that's kind of more Kelly's area of expertise. And also because it just, um, because this is a solo episode, I'm, I'm just going to be trying to talk about things that are a little bit more centered around my you know, my reasons for wanting to wanting to get out there and get in get in nature and walk or walk through the woods. When I got to the confluence of the Minnesota and Mississippi rivers, I realized this is one of those moments that I will remember. You know, a- a- every second that you spend in a state park is rewarding and valuable. Even if you're getting rained on, even if it's cold and the, you know the wind is making your your ears and your extremities feel like they're going to fall off, there's value in that. That may sound crazy. But okay, so here's where I'm going with this. When I got to the confluence of the Minnesota and Mississippi rivers, this is um, something that I've seen from the highway, um, you know, kind of east of Pike Island. There's like a highway, north south stretch of highway 35E, I believe it is, that I've been on plenty of times. Back in my truck driving days, I was on there. And it's just something, it's, it's, it's a stretch of highway that I've gone in just in private uh, vehicles plenty of times. But when you're in, nature when you're in the woods and you're not separated from not just the woods, but just like fresh air, when you're not separated from fresh air uh, by virtue of being in like a metal box on wheels, it is such a different experience. And I ended up sitting there for, you know, 15 or 20 minutes, just, just looking, just watching the water flow. And I know that sounds very hippy dippy, very zen, very zen or whatever. I'm not that kind of person. I'm, I'm, I'm not a very hippy dippy person, uh, despite how I may sound. What I really am is just kind of a general crank, <laughs> but uh, but I'm not someone who normally who normally um, <clears throat> tries to quantify my experience in the natural world in some kind of forced way. You know, I th- I think okay, this is gonna sound really corny, but you know, ev- everyone wears like you know these watches now or these Fitbits or whatever that like tracks your steps and all that kind of stuff. I've always like re- kind of rejected that because I don't like I've I've I've, I've always rejected the, that mentality that like. Oh, I have to think about the data of like of my time jogging or, or my time, you know, hiking through nature. I have to think about how many steps I've taken or, you know, what my heart rate was. And I just at the risk of sounding like, you know, like a Luddite, I I, I think that's a level of um of sort of devotion to science that really doesn't have value in it in like a day-to-day practical sense. I think the value that we can all find in, in being in nature, whether it's taking a, taking a jog, you know, through a park or taking a hike through the woods, like I was doing uh, yesterday at Fort Snelling, the value in that is trying to feel a connection to nature that every other day of your life, you don't feel, you know, uh, most of us, whether we live in the country or the city or the suburbs or the exurbs, we spend most of our time completely disconnected from nature. I mean, not completely. I mean, you might see a tree or you might see a bird, but for all practical purposes, you don't really have any kind of spiritual connection to the natural world because we we live in a society that discourages that. And I think part of the part of the reason for me going out and in, in hiking into the woods, even if civilization is like on the horizon, you know, even though I was sitting at the confluence of this river of these two rivers, and I could see you know, ugly condo development kind of uh, up on the bluffs, or I could see a highway with tractor trailers going down on it. 
obviously we, you know, we, we live in a society and there's, you know, we, we have to get things from place to place. We have to live in some kind of structure, but I think part of what alienates us so much from the modern world or in the modern world rather is just how, how ugly and disconnected everything is. Everything from the architecture of the buildings we live in to the, the car centric spaces that we have to navigate day to day, that all that kind of plays into our mindset of feeling disconnected from nature. And I think that I personally feel very grateful that I still live in a city that has, you know, a relatively functioning public transit system that has just numerous city parks that I can visit anytime I want to, that has a state park that now I know I can get to without a car. I don't own a car. Me and Kelly don't own private, a private vehicle. Uh, you know, part of that is, a, you know, at the risk of seeming pretentious, part of that is kind of a conscious rejection of, of, of car culture. The irony is that we usually have to rent or borrow a car to get to these state parks and feel that connection with nature. But today I was able to do it by taking a couple of short bus rides and then, you know, a, a pretty lengthy walk. That feels good. I'm so sorry if, if, if all this just sounds completely insane, like just an unfocused ramble. I'll, I'll cop to that. I, I'm not a good storyteller, as I said a few minutes ago. I am not the most um, charismatic guy. So this solo episode, it, it might be uh, completely misguided. It may, maybe we'll even look back on this as a misstep, but I'm going to wrap up my thoughts and tell you <clears throat> why I think you should visit Fort Snelling and the, and the section of the park I think you should visit, visit, which is Pike Island. If you live in the cities or you find yourself passing through the Twin Cities, I really encourage you to check out this park. Summer, fall, winter, anytime. There's a year-round interpretive center, which uh, I have to admit I have not been to, but I'm sure there's a lot of cool programming stuff happening there now that we're kind of sort of uh, past COVID. But if, if hiking is your thing, if bird watching is your thing, if, if feeling, if, 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 Feeling a desire to kind of commune with nature is your thing. Um, I really encourage you to to make Pike Island the the focus of your visit to Fort Snelling because I I greatly enjoyed my first visit here with Kelly. But <laughs> this isn't a this isn't I'm not slagging off you, Kelly. I I I enjoyed my second visit here yesterday so much more. Um, not because I was alone. It would have been great if Kelly had been with me. But because I thought Pike Island was just such a such a great trail, um, so, or such a great part of the park, rather. <clears throat> yeah, I don't want to seem, I don't want to seem snobbish or smug about this. Um, any any part of this park you check out, I think you're gonna have you're gonna have fun, and there's gonna be it's gonna be a rewarding experience. Not to repeat myself, but I'll just you know I'll just put my two cents out there. I think Pike Island is the part of the park that is the most worthy of your attention. If, you, if you're into the same things I am, I think you're going to have a lot more fun at Pike Island than the, uh, the southern part of the park. But that being said, if you've been to, if you've been to Fort, uh, Fort Snelling, if you're planning on going, maybe you have a different experience or you have a different uh, perception about it. So email us, adventurewithinreason at gmail.com. <laughs> or, uh, you know, if you're on Facebook, as I regrettably still am, uh, you can go to Adventure Within Reason podcast and be a part of the conversation there. I, I really, if, if you listen to this whole thing, I, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you, because this to me just sounds like, sounds like a, a cluster, you know what.
Uh, we we keep it clean on this podcast. Maybe this whole thing will just be be deleted and 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 lost to time. But next time Kelly will be back, so we'll be we'll be back to the normal dynamic. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, join us next time for another episode of Adventure Within Reason. Thank you.